Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, a very warm welcome this Sunday evening to Capital Sports on Moscow's Capital FM. I'm Alan Moore, and if you agree, I'll be your sports spiritual guru for the next hour of raw pumping sports power. Well, you've agreed, so here we are. Here we are with the very best news, views, reviews, previews, and interviews in the world of sports. Now, last week, of course, we previewed the UEFA Europa and Champions League finals. Did our experts get their picks right? We'll find out in just a minute because we're going to go shortly to Andrew Flint and Isil Cody uh, and then we're also going to have a look at Russia's build up to the European Championships that's getting underway of course this week because it's only just a week and a half away uh, and then in part two we're going to have a deep dive with an interview with a, an award winning and best selling author and journalist He's, uh, his best selling book Euro Summits the story of the UEFA European Championships that was just released last month uh, Johnson O'Brien, he's going to speak to us from Dublin because, I mean, he has an amazing story to tell and he's also going to um, chat about his, of course, his beloved Manchester United. Uh, and then, of course, in part three, we're going to have the Big Fat Filthy Quiz. And, of course, I'm delighted to have here in the studio with me, Andy Mack. Andy, how are you doing? Uh, pumping, apparently. <laughs> exactly, we are flying. Okay, folks, before we go on to the phones to uh, our two retrobates, one and two men, one in <laughs> Dublin, uh, there were some World Ice Hockey Championship results today because, of course, it's getting through to the, well, ne- well it's nearly playoff time. Uh, Belarus today were hammered 6-0 by Switzerland. Canada pumped Italy 7-1. Right now, it is 1-1 between the Swedes and the Slovaks. Meanwhile, the Finns are skating past the Latvians, the home team, 2-1. OK, so um, earlier on this week, uh, Manchester United bravely, bravely tried to win the <laughs> second tier of European football yet again. Um, they drew 1-1 by the end. Of, it was actually a very, very good game overall, I thought. Uh, so Evson Convani, he scored just at halftime to make it 1-1. And then he went on to lose 11-10 on penalties. And of course, last night, anyone who stayed up to watch that game, and it was a pretty decent game as well, Manchester City lost 1-0 to Chelsea down in Porto. Um, OK, I'm going to start straight away with Andrew Flint. Andrew, um, all right, United on Wednesday. Uh, you, you thought they were going to have just a bit too much for the, uh, for the Spaniards. I, I did. I mean, there's always a risk when you have an emotional connection to the club that your decisions will be ruled by your heart, not your head. And I knew it would be difficult. Villarreal are very well drilled. Uh, very, very well set up. Um, and worryingly, it turned out how, uh, well, some of our experts in the studio predicted um, and Villarreal were just too too stubborn. And Manchester United couldn't break them down. And the Spaniards were very, very deserving winners. Uh, Unai Emery's fourth Europa League win, I believe it is, in the last decade. So, fair play. OK, uh, Isol Cody, um, looking at that as well, I mean, you also thought that, uh, well, you actually were tipping Villarreal, kind of. I was. I went with Villarreal. And to be honest, at the end of the first half, I thought, okay, this is only going one way now for the second half because United were on top even when they conceded. And I suppose the second half, you just felt that United were so much stronger. And to lose in the way they did, I suppose a lot of the focus goes on to De Gea. Whereas the reality is United have actually, like, they've come second in a final and they've come second in the Premier League. It's a fairly tough season. You're nearly better off coming third than losing a final at this stage. And I think 
uh, there was a lot of comment Neil Lennon was saying about how Jose's record was actually better than Ole's in oh, terms dear. of uh, yeah. Okay, uh, Andy Mack, you, you, you're, you're, your eyes open wide at the sound of Neil Lennon. But I mean, no, you. I think that was my sphincter going. <laughs> you, I well, just hold it in, just hold it in for another <laughs> four, uh, 56 minutes, that's all. Um, but listen, Andy, you also, you tipped United as well. You did think that they had too much for the Spaniards. I thought they would do over 120 minutes. Um, their last two head to heads have both been nil nil. I thought it'd be close. And I did say to you, over a, a one a one off game, Villarreal had been so good over two legs it would be interesting to see how they would go about it um, and I think for me it was a bit of a trash game really to be honest um, <laughs> man you kind of puffed and never really huffed um, other than the I'd say fluky goal that Cavani was just on side for um, and then it came down to perhaps Ole Gunnar Solskjaer not having the balls to put Dean Henderson in goal for the penalty shootout who has a 45% save rate over his last and however De Gea many hasn't stopped a penalty in and how long? De Gea hasn't saved the last 40 consecutively yeah, I mean it was, um, it was a disaster I've, so you're bringing Fred on you're bringing the, and he played everyone and he didn't have a change on the bench he, the same way that Pep Guardiola set up and we'll, we'll get onto that but Solskjaer it, played all the attacking players and then he didn't have any clout to bring on he didn't have a, an option to change I think, it up. I think the bench is relatively United aren't you know they don't have to like I mean we can't compare them like with like with Man City because and Man City do have strength it, they it, have strength it, and it hadn't got to a brawl so Harry Maguire coming off the bench wasn't going to be any better. <laughs> no 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 um, definitely not um, especially Andy, not the, Andy, Andy you, you mentioned about no attacking threat on the bench even Dan James or or Ahmed Diallo coming off would have made a difference and he didn't make that sort of bold change they would have had the pace and the ability to offer something different maybe not the quality but still something different yeah something direct I mean there was, there was I, I think there was there was a moment in the first half I think when Greenwood finally ran at someone and he coasted past yeah. uh, the left back uh, for yeah. Villarreal and you kind of went Wow! Why he actually lost himself? I listen. I thought. I thought overall. I thought it was it was a decent game. I I I actually went to bed before the, the end because I knew what I was going. <laughs> I, I listen. I told you. I I I I staked myself on it. I said, listen. Uh, I last week I said it's going to be a double Villarreal Chelsea, and what happened? It was true. Chelsea, of course, winning one la, one nil last night. They could have won by an awful lot more. Um, okay, Issa, I'm going to start with you on this one. Uh, people are saying that Pep bet himself. But that is taken away from a very good Chelsea team. And also, Raheem Sterling wasn't at the races at all, was he? No, and I think uh, you're exactly right. Thomas Tuchel played an excellent game. And that was, again, the same with Ole. Ole and Pep both played. Uh, they were out-thought and out-worked in terms of the tactics that were used by their opposition. And I think it's a bit lazy to say... Pep's team didn't perform or Pep selected a team that he wouldn't normally have selected and played in a different way and that's why they lost rather than to say Thomas Tuchel selected well and his players played in a way that meant they won the game and they could have won by considerably more. I mean, if looking at the, um, you know, look at the United game, one one player who I really, really was let down by was Marcus, Ra Marcus Rashford. Um, Again, uh, yeah. I mean, I I just think he he didn't do himself justice. I think he's a fabulous player, a fabulous person, but right. he just let himself down. He's lacking hunger. Well, I don't know about Sorry, that. He is getting school, he's getting the school lunches. But listen, he, l listen, uh, uh, Andrew. He was he was there having his like his chat, wasn't it? He had a chat with uh, Obama. Barack Obama, wasn't it? Yeah. In the chat with him midweek. Listen, Andrew, 
Yeah. yeah, I mean, look, looking at it, uh, Andrew. I mean, you, you went, okay, you went for Man City. You didn't want to go for them, but you went for them. Um, did, did, would you agree with 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 um, with Eselt, or would you say that maybe you know, Pep did let the side down? Well, I mean, that's the common thread that everybody seems to be following. I'm not sure it is that simple. I do agree with Eselt that, that Tuchel just picked and and dis- instructed his team perfectly. When you have a player like N'Golo Kante, and this is one of the, I think, more worrying things, the trends that has been over the last two or three years, that Kante is a defensive midfielder. I think some people have verged almost on a sort of racial stereotype that he is a hard-working defensive midfielder. He's a box-to-box midfielder. He can do everything, and he did last night. Um, with Pep's setup, people have said, oh, he didn't pick a defensive midfielder. He, he doesn't need a defensive midfielder. He has fullbacks who become defensive midfielders. That's not the issue. Um, but his players, I think, basically just bottled it. I think it was a, a mentality problem, not a tactical one. But Tuchel's setup was perfect. Listen, uh, uh, Andy Mack, um, of course, Raheem Sterling uh, and Kyle Walker, they both came in today for an awful lot of racist abuse online. The usual nonsense we're, we're listening to, but I think at this stage, you know... It, all Twitter has to do is if someone makes like you know puts in a monkey emoji or something like that, just they're banned me. Just get rid of them. They're going to set up account again. So you know we're not going to we we can't discuss that here now because that's just a you know it's just gone beyond annoying. Stupid. Yeah, uh, but if we're not, but we're looking at the players right now and we see how how they performed yesterday. So Sterling, I thought Walker was pretty decent. Sterling was was not at the races whatsoever. Um, is is there something that we can say between the two English stars, Raheem Sterling? who many people didn't want them starting yesterday because he wasn't in good form. And Marcus Rashford, who also wasn't in good form. Does that bode well for England, these Euros? Because England are going in, kind of full themselves, thinking, we could actually do this, boys. Absolutely not, but there's a pool of players that are in form and are, are, are flying high in confidence. You look at Mason Mount now. Um, the, the, the benefit of English football is that there are players there that are so buoyant. Um, you look at Phil Foden, who I thought was at. I mean, um, oh, he's very good last night. Very um, good. Was spectacular on a losing side um, and looked really frustrated at the end of it. Um, and when you've got that kind of pool of players to choose from, uh, I mean, 25, 26, 33, whatever it is, players that you're looking at, uh, it, it's so difficult to pick and choose. Are you going to base it on form? Are you going to base it on tournament experience? But I think there was a wee element last night that Tuchel had maybe played into Pep Guardiola's head. And I can think of a a terrible cricket analogy where if you've got a flat pitch but you've lost against the same side twice, you might try something different and let them bat first on a flat pitch and you lose again. And I think that's what Pep Guardiola did. He tried to do something different and perhaps he shouldn't have. And, you know, leaving players out like Fernandinho and playing Bernardo Silva, he did nothing. Yeah. Played in. And me and Andy Flint picked out that Chelsea hadn't scored in the first half in the last four games until yesterday mm. that that was the first time that Chelsea had scored in the first half and I think that was somewhat down to the fact that Chelsea didn't actually have a uh, Man City didn't have a defensive midfielder in there No that is fair enough I, I, I look as well also I thought that there wasn't that much pressure put on the Chelsea keeper Eddie Mendy I thought he Almost was Almost at all uh, he was, He's flappy signed This is a fellow who, who at 22 years age he was working as a in a hostess in a wine bar or something like that, or a stripper hostess. or something, or a host, whatever, in a wine bar, a stripper, whatever. But he, I mean, this is where he was at his career. And then now he's winning the Champions League. Eastolt, um should we all have hope? Should there be a chance for me then to sort of like, you know, make my debut for the dubs this summer? No. I'm asking Eastolt. 
Um, I don't want to rain on your parade, but look, I suppose we all have hope. I'm suddenly looking at a whole load of things I thought were in my 20s and going, oh, well, I can do them now. Forget, like, if Naomi Osaka is thrown out of the French Open, who knows, I could take her place. The dream is still alive. Um, well, you could actually go, you could probably go to swimming. Since you bought, like, the, the wee swimming pool for the dogs today, you know, filled it up with water, and, and you're trying to force a male dog to sit down in a blood and pa- bloody paddling pool when it's freezing cold. I mean, I know you neutered him, but still at the same time, my God, have a bit of respect for the poor dog. And what made it worse is he went outside after refusing my paddling pool. The dog went outside and lay down in a muddy puddle. So there you go. Just... Protest. You know, they say yes. what? D- dirty <laughs> protest, literally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Listen, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to move on because, of course, we have uh, friendlies coming up this week. Uh, f- build, the build-up continues uh, at pace now for the European Championships. Uh, again, not starting in the, in the well, start, starting in the near future. Um, Andrew Flint, uh, Russia are warming up in Poland. Uh, that's on Tuesday. That is at nine forty-five our time here in Moscow. Um, like people are talking about Chichester, he's going to he's going to narrow down his team after the first game. He said uh, before they play Bulgaria then on Saturday. But I was looking at the, the Russian lineup, and I, I I'm a bit worried. Well, I'm worried when it's Chichester selecting the side. That's the only problem. Um, Arsene Zakharian is out for for the tournament. Um, I mean, he's had a stunning six months or so. Um, and he could have been that little X factor off the bench that could have turned one or two games. And I would have loved to have seen him play more. But um, I, there, there is uh, there is some depth there. The likes of Denis Makarov, for example, um, who I expect will make the final squad. Now that Zaharian's out, there's only three more that will drop out. One of them will be one of the keepers. So there's only two other outfield players he needs to get in ahead of. Um, I, I just think Chichester's not capable of experimenting. I mean, not that you should so close to a tournament but he'd left it too late to experiment and he'll stick with a tried and tested lump it up to Juba and see what happens uh, I don't think we're going to be excited on, on Tuesday but um, it'll be good to see if uh, if the likes of Makarov for example can come off the bench and stake a claim Okay um, I'm going to speak now Andy uh, looking at the Bulgaria game uh, of course we know what myself and Nisot know what Bulgaria are like um, Andy what do you reckon I mean this is in the, the VTB arena. Tickets are available. It's in the Dinamo Stadium, of course, or the, the stadium named Lev, Lev Yashin. Um, Russia need to, to, to win that to sort of lift the mood of the nation, don't they? Yeah, definitely. And I think um, playing Poland be, before that is a weird one. Um, Russia have a, um, a pretty poor record when it comes to playing teams in the top 25 of the FIFA World Rankings. And I find Poland a, a weird one to, to start off your experimentation of going things into Bulgaria... I think they have to take seriously as, as as a as a friendly game going into this because uh, that's the one they have to get right and they need to win it convincingly because I don't think they're going to get a result against Poland if Poland are taking it in any way seriously as well. So Bulgaria is a big one and I also don't think a great test. So if he's really going to experiment with the, the wider squad, I think he has to do that against Poland and all of a sudden you can find yourself being morale down and 
all of a sudden on the back foot before you've even made the tournament. And That's I find it. that a strange, a strange... Yeah, it was a strange out. pick for me, to be honest with you as well. I, I agree, Andy. Easel, I'm going to end up with you... Um, <laughs> end off with you. That's a very, very strange friend. Okay. Um, if, if, forgive me, folks. I've, I've been, like, you know, under a cold all week. I'm, you can hear from my voice. I'm, I'm sort of uh, just struggling here. Andy Mack is keeping me going with coffees and... Uh, co- Cocktails. <laughs> That's good. Cocaine. Not cocaine. <laughs> <laughs> coffee. With coffee. Anyway. Uh, yeah, I don't think we don't. Yeah, no one wants to know. Um, Eastold, uh, it's not the Eurovision, it's the Euros. Exactly, exactly. Uh, uh, Eastold, two things for you. Uh, first one, uh, Kevin De Bruyne going off yesterday. He's broken his nose. Um, he definitely got a concussion. He's going to be out for at least a couple of weeks. Is that going to impact the, uh, the Belgian team? I think it certainly will. And I also think we may not... Are we sure that we will definitely see him in the Euros as a result? Because obviously everyone thinks a broken nose is one thing, but you also have to factor in recovery. You have to factor in what sort of concussion he inevitably got from that. And if it will affect him over the next few weeks in terms of playing. No, that's that's what I think as well. That's what I think. And look... Finally, um, more rumours again today about who's going to Tottenham. Of course, they're talking about Pochettino. Is is Poch coming back? Is he back? I am fu- like I'm fully on board for that. I am. I have every possible <laughs> alert on my phone for the word Poch. Uh, so Poch watch is a go. And if there, it, it would just be it would be great because I think he is someone who left that really want to be at Spurs and no one really wants to be at Spurs none of our players really want to be at Spurs Poch <laughs> is in PSG and he wants to be with us yeah I it's think, like it's yeah and Andy Andy, Andy Mack is shaking his head I can hear Andy Flint it's, saying it's, those it, it's like the episode of the Simpsons where they remove the stone of shame and attach the stone of victory yeah. why, why, why would he want um, yeah. you've, you've, you've got a bigger budget you've got more and, and he's got a bigger expenses budget than a transfer budget and like the he's, fact he's, you he's, haven't been fired from PSG for not winning the league oh, already says yeah, the yeah, owners yeah. trust I'm, you why would you yeah. go I, back I'm, I don't know he's he's and it's all about he obviously has some sort of unrequited love story with Daniel Levy and I don't know why he wouldn't want to come back to such a great club well then again I think Daniel Levy might have some compromising photos on him but there you go that's what happens underground <laughs> in the dungeons we'll leave it there okay thank you very much Eastolt <laughs> and Andrew we're going to go out with a song a special request uh, this is uh, no don't stop laughing at me right this is Anna from the no Jenny from the block and Jennifer Lopez back after the break with Johnson O'Brien Sports with Alan Moore. L O X, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yo, we off the block this year. Went from a low to a lot this year. Everybody mad at the rocks that I wear. I know where I'm going and I know where I'm from. You hear locks in the air. Yeah, we at the airport out. D block from the block where everybody air forced out. With a new white tee, you fresh. Nothing phony with us. Make the money, get the mansion, bring the homies with us. What you see, don't be fooled by the rocks that I got. I'm still, I'm 
Главный коуч Чичиков Павелова. Мертвые души. Смотри, как делать живые деньги на Ибе. Выбирай сериал Легко. Реклама 18+. Слова и выражения, которым вас не учили на уроках английского. Feel some type of way. Feel some type of way. Объясняет коммерческий директор рекрутинговой компании Люк Джонс. Лондон, Великобритания. Some type of way. Wow, когда непонятно, когда на свидании были парень даже приставал к девушке, и she felt in that type of way. Ужас просто, что она ожидала от него. Feel some type of way. Feel some type of way. Capital School. Capital FM. Back to the music. Now. Capital Sports. With Alan Moore. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Hope you enjoyed the Anna from the Lay. Oh, sorry, Jenny from the Block. Okay, um, I'm going to have a quick look across at the uh, the ice hockey. It is now two two between Finland and Latvia. It is two one between Sweden and Slovakia. God, that rhymed actually. Latvia and Slovakia. Well, oh yeah, okay, anyway, that's not that hard, really. Sweden, Finland, that doesn't rhyme. Okay, so again, uh, this is all going down. We'll have a little bit of a look at it a bit later on. And next week, of course, the final will be played, so we're going to be covering that, uh, course, live on air. Um, folks, okay, we're going to go straight away uh, to Jonathan O'Brien in Dublin. He, of course, is the author of Euro Summits. Okay, so Jonathan, how are you doing this evening? Not too bad, Alan. How are you? We're to, listen, doing very, very well indeed. Um, Jonathan, before, before we, we, we go any further, I have, no, this is the truth. I've tried to get you on a couple of times on the show, correct? Uh, that's right, yeah. Yeah, and you're a hard man to nail down. Uh, yes, I've, um, I'm, uh, I work at the Business Post, which is Ireland's equivalent of the Financial Times or the Wall Street Journal. And uh, we have a weird working schedule. It doesn't, doesn't always allow for things like podcasts, but here I am. <laughs> and now you're live on air with us. 
So I mean, <laughs> so you're, this is even better. Um, is it, before we, because uh, Andy Mack has some questions for you, but before before we go on to, on to them, I want to ask you, what inspired you to write the book? Because I mean, I've I've seen the, the the screenshots, I've gone through it, I've ordered it as well. It's an absolutely fabulous piece of work. And where did the inspiration come from? Um, well, I can tell you the exact moment it happened. It was uh, Stevens' day, Boxing Day 2014. Uh, I was up late, the wife had gone to bed. So I'm sitting there nursing a beer and watching some old European Championship highlights on DVD. And I thought to myself, has anyone ever actually done a proper print book about this thing? And so the next day I went searching and there was nothing in print in the English language market. There was only one that had been published in Germany years ago. So I thought to myself, if I get this done quick enough, I can maybe the market. As it turned out, it, it, t- it took about six years to get it into print for various reasons. Um, I spent two years writing the first draft with it, and then three or four more years fine-tuning it. It was, it was way longer uh, at the start, and luckily Pitch Publishing, when they got hold of it, they had the good sense to make me cut it right down. And I think it's much better for um, So, like, you have to strike a balance between the nerdy stuff and the off-field stuff. You have to, you have to um, get everything of relevance in but not bore the reader to tears and so far the reaction has been really good so I'm really pleased everyone I know who has read it I mean and just some you know a couple of friends at home have you know went picked it up sat down and went through it literally you know on a weekend one sitting they they really because it's something that it, it it, it really got home to them um, because the European Championships, of course, for Irish people was always the, the, the limit almost over I mean, like you know, to get to the Euros was just some faraway land. Um, as an Irish person, as an Irish person, how, how did it feel for you when you, when you, you started the, the chapter on 1988? Well, funnily enough, uh, earlier today I was talking to a journalist from the Irish Independent, uh, David Kelly, and he asked me sort of the same type of thing. He asked me, did I feel under any pressure to padify it, i.e. to come at it from an Irish angle, and I was actually totally determined to avoid that. I treated Ireland as just another scene, because it's um, it's coming out in an English publisher and it'll be read by plenty of people outside Ireland. So I didn't dwell on them any more than any other team. But of course, it was great crack going back and looking at the three games in 88. I always preferred 88 to Italia 90. Uh, the football was better. We won a game, we scored a couple of goals, we came within inches of making the semis. I, I have far more, far better memories of 88 than I do of 1990, although I was a kid at the time. I mean, I, I, for, for me, I remember everything from Gary McCoy when I was standing in Crumlin Shopping Centre, looking on, on, a, on a November evening and watching the game in Bulgaria when he basically just like, he, he took a great goal and beat Bulgaria 1-0, that meant Ireland went through. I remember standing there with maybe... There was one other man, like, you know, dad or whoever. And then my dad walked along and said, oh, it's the match over. I was like, yeah, we won. And then my dad was like, it's always that kind of slow dawning that finally we've reached the promised land. We're going to the Euro 88. And when you look at the group, we had the USSR, who we should have beaten. We were cheated out of the game. Uh, I'm saying I'm here in Russia, yeah. of course, so I can't, <laughs> I'm in trouble. Um, and I've also had it with <laughs> Renat Dasayev. I told him that he was a thug and that uh, he took Tony Galvin out of the game deliberately. Um but are, are you know, Ireland scored the best one, or well, probably second best goal in in the Euros that year. Um, Ronnie Whelan's banana shot. We beat England, which was mm. massive, and then we came within a jammy offside goal against Holland. Holland went down to win it, and the USSR went up to be runners up. How could you not get carried away yeah. and make half the book about Euro '88? Ah, uh, no, I mean, uh, I, it, it, it was tempting, obviously, but uh, you run into things like word counts. One of my most vivid memories of '88 was. Um, 
on the about five minutes after the final whistle against England. So I went outside and it was scorching day. The street was just full of people, lads with their shirts off, just jumping around and everything. And I saw a plume of smoke on the horizon. And I said to somebody, what's that? And they said, they're after burning down St. Damien's, which is a local school in, in Perrystown. <laughs> so that was that was how uh, we celebrated around our way. They burned down the local school. It, it, was, just a, it was just a great summer. And... Um, there was only eight teams in the Euros back then. The quality was so much more concentrated. Like, um, it was uh, for us to. We basically finished fifth in that thing because we came closer to getting to the semis than any of the other teams that went out. And as I say, the football was better. Okay, we didn't play much football against England, but we certainly did against the Soviets, and we kept the, the ultimate winners at bay until 83 minutes, I think. Yeah. So, I, I honestly think we performed at a higher level than we did in 1990. Yeah, I know. I think like I, I think that that was such an open Euros. England went in really on form with a very, very good side. I mean, they were one of the best. West Germany, of course, are very good as well. It was in West Germany, but you know, we we, we held our own. Uh, before Andy Mack uh, asks you a question, I have one one. I guess one for anyone who's going to read it, okay? Because again, you get on Kindle, you get on hardcover. Uh, it is there on Amazon to get it. Um, which of the Europeans, apart from 88, really, really caught your heart? Um, there's two. Um, I was eight when Euro 84 was on, and I got to see little bits of it, and it, it, it stuck with me uh, in a big way. And when I rewatched it all there a few years ago for this thing, uh, I wasn't disappointed. Nearly every game was superb. Uh, the other one is 2000. I was, I think I was about 23 or 24 when that was on. And again, just a, a great summer. Nearly every game was excellent. Loads of great players stepping up to the occasion. That's what you want in a tournament. You don't want... Well, you want close contests, but most of all, you want great players proving it emphatically. And that's what happened in 2000. I have a real soft spot for 2000. I think that comes across in the book. So, my question to you is, um, being a Scottish person, probably one of my fondest memories of any Euros was the commentary for the last penalty of Euro 96, uh, which I won't repeat the striker's name that slammed the penalty in. Um, <laughs> um, but do you feel at the moment, in, in terms of international and club football, I, I, I look at rugby, and more people are interested in international rugby as opposed to club rugby, do you feel that that's flipped yeah. massively in football now? And do you think that international football will ever be able to regain that? Well, it's definitely lost. <clears throat> it's definitely lost a lot of its prestige and its pulling power. And most of that is down to FIFA and UEFA willfully wrecking the tournaments, uh, making making the World Cup uh, 48 teams, which is coming in the future. And in the book, I go into this in a fair bit of depth, uh, how UEFA butchered the format. 16 teams was perfect. I don't even think there were ever actually 16 good teams, good national teams in Europe. Like, if you look at Euro 2012, uh, Ireland were brilliant. They were well off the pace. And I remember looking at us getting thrashed by Spain and thinking, imagine eight more Irelands in this competition. It's going to be a disaster. And 2016 wasn't very good at all. There was 51 games up from 31 in the past there were maybe about seven good ones and I think there was an extraordinary statistic that 12% of all the goals in Euro 2016 happened in two matches Portugal versus Hungary which was 3-3 and France versus Iceland which was 5-2 and that's that's incredible and I, I think most of us were just really bored by the end of it I remember there was one game between Portugal and Croatia in the I think it was the second round 
and it was there, there was not a single shot on target by either team in the 90 minutes and I remember just switching it off at the 90 minutes and going to bed and not caring what happened in the extra time and if you know me you'll know how that how <laughs> that's, mad that is you that's know what an, I mean that is uh, very wrong Jonathan I don't, that's a horrible thing to hear from you well I mean it was it was there was just too many games too many teams and there was also this weird thing whereby UEFA appeared to have instructed all the refs not to send anyone off there was only one player who got sent off for a bad foul and that was an Austrian player called Dragovic against uh, um, Hungary I think everyone there was only three red cards in the whole thing and the tournament was littered with bad fouls so it wasn't as if bad challenges weren't happening they were it was just the refs had obviously been told keep the play moving uh, look the other way and you know that's that's obviously not good Look, looking ahead now to the, the upcoming Euros, um, before we, we, we move back on to what, uh, recent events with Man City, Man United, Chelsea and Villarreal, um, who, who is your favourite for the Europeans? Because one of our, our, our callers has messaged in, uh, he said, is it, is, it down, is it really down to France or England? Well, as a proud Irishman, I have a horrible feeling that England might do it, be, not, not least because um, the way the scheduling and the cancellations have worked out, if England win their group and get to the final, they will play six games out of seven at Wembley. Uh, so they have a huge leg up on the competition already. And they do have some excellent players, especially out wide. Um, the, only, the only cloud I would see for them is sort of at the back... It's, Nick Pope is injured now so Pickford is going to be in goal and with Pickford literally, literally anything could happen uh, then you've got Stones who is a bit shaky and Harry Maguire if he plays he won't be fully fit personally I wouldn't bring him because the history has shown us like with Rooney in the past and Keegan and Brooking uh, don't bring unfit players it, it's almost never worth it but uh, they do have a lot of good attackers and of course they've got pretty much de facto home advantage so yes they, I think they'll be well in the mix the other team I think could do something and no one's really talking about them is Portugal they're actually the, the reigning champions they still got Ronaldo who's just on this mad mission to break Ali Dai's record for international goals they've got Bruno Fernandes they've got a strong defence they've a good keeper uh, I think they could do something as well although their, their group is extremely uh, tough but if they get through the group, I think they'll take a bit of stopping. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm with you on that because I know a lot of people, even when we looked at the Irish group, well, the qualifiers for, the, for Qatar, we're talking like, oh, you know, Portugal might be weak. But I think you're right. I think there's a bit, bit of fight left in the dog right now. Um, and he has a couple of questions because, of course, the Champions League was last night. Um, you're, of course, a, a proud Manchester United fan. Uh, things didn't go your way on, on uh, Wednesday. Um, but, Andy, you have a couple of questions coming in from a caller as well. Yes, we've got these questions coming in, which effectively is, um, does Pep Guardiola need another 200 million to spend to win the Champions League with Man City? And is Harry Kane the man to fill the void? Is he the missing piece of the puzzle for Man City? The missing link? I thought that was uh, Harry Maguire. Sorry. Okay. Is, can, can, you just, can you just repeat the last bit of the question uh, about someone being the missing link? I didn't quite catch it. So... Does Pep need another two hundred million, and is it Harry yeah, Kane yeah. that he's going to spend it on? Is Harry Kane the man to make Man City oh, hit that Harry next Kane, level? Um, I'm not sure where Kane will fit in because I mean, you saw it last night. It was it was another case of Pep wanting to be the smartest guy in the room yet again. We see we've seen it a good many times in his career. He had Aguero, but he didn't use him. He had Sterling and De Bruyne up front. That's a winger and a number ten. So it, it meant they'd no recognised striker, and he left Aguero on the bench till it was too late. So Harry Kane to me doesn't look like 
Guardiola type player. Like um, he, can, he doesn't really. Can I, can I throw you a curveball? Really fancy classic number nines. As a United fan, can I throw you a curveball and say, would Paul Pogba be the missing link for Man City? I think most United fans would happily uh, drive Pogba to the airport at this day, although, what am I saying, it's in Manchester. <laughs> <laughs> no need to drive, just driving down the road. Um, but do you think he would fit Man again, City like, better Pogba's than he would United? Pogba's not a guy you can really build a team around. He's, he's too unreliable. He, he tries to dribble past people when... The, there's no hope of getting past them. Uh, he's he's failed for them time and again. The season just gone has actually been his best season for them, probably. And even then, it was only a purple patch here and there. Um, the problem for United is I'm not sure who would take him at the at the kind of fee that they'd want. So they may be stuck with him for a while yet. Uh, finally, before we go out, Jonathan, a couple of quick questions uh, for you came in. Um, first one is, and, and this is a loaded one: how happy are, how happy are you that Liverpool collapsed this season? Uh, as the man in House of Cards said, I couldn't possibly comment. <laughs> um, I, 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 did, I, I did think they were going to dominate for about two or three years, and I was pretty surprised how they how they tailed off. Uh, you, of course, predicted it in your in your article. Was it backpages.com? Yeah, yeah, back back, back, um, back back at the start of the season, and um, fair play to you for that. They need. They're going to have to rebuild big time because the age profile. All their best players are twenty nine, thirty. And can't go on indefinitely. And with Van Dijk, it's going to be a roll of the dice how good he is when he comes back because a lot of players are never the same again. Some people do recover from those injuries and uh, recover fully, like Roy Keane would be a good example when he came back in '98. But um, it's anyone's guess. And I see they've already started on their on their uh, rebuilds by uh, buying the defenders today from was it Sevilla for 36 million. Um, but they're going to need a lot of changes and Klopp is not on a good run of transfers at the moment he's had a few failures with um, people like Minamino and the Greek fellow who never played uh, Simikas um, and the, the lad from Schalke the Turkish defender so um, after after a long long spell of getting every transfer pretty much bang on um, he's in the middle of a, a sort of a poor streak at the moment so he's going to have to put a stop to that urgently and finally, uh, two managerial questions. Uh, one, is Ollie still the man to drive the bus at Old Trafford? And secondly, who's going to end up in paradise? Uh, first one, uh, well, Ollie obviously has, has got a lot of things wrong. Overall, broadly, he's doing a good job. It cannot be said enough how how much of a nightmare those owners must be to work under. Like, they're taking 40 million um, dividend payments out of the club to pay for things like refurbishment of their houses in Florida, things like that. Um, I think he's got a lot more right than he has wrong. I would definitely give him another season. It, it depends how much of backing he gets in the transfer market, but if he gets back to any reasonable extent and they're still exhibiting the same flaws a year down the line, they're going to have to look at someone else. He may he may well have taken them as far as he can. As for uh, Celtic, um, I've been on to a couple of people in Australia. I have a few relatives and friends down there um, asking about this guy, Ange Postacoglu. Now, all I really know about him is that he managed Australia at the World Cup in uh, Brazil um, about seven years ago. And I remember them... The group was impossible for them. It was Spain, Chile, and Australia. Spain, Chile, and Netherlands, rather. Um, I remember them acquitting themselves quite well, although they lost all their games. But this guy has been managing in Japan, and 
the, the Celtic job like it's it's a real high pressure pressure cooker goldfish bowl environment it's not for it, it's it's really chewed up and spat out a lot of managers like Tony Mowbray is an excellent example I wasn't too unhappy about Eddie Howe not getting it because Howe to me had a, a bit of a whiff of Mowbray about him this sort of nice guy who plays nice attractive football down the bottom end of the Premier League um, I think that may have been a disaster waiting to happen this guy um my my friends and family down in Australia they all say he's an excellent coach and he's a big personality but it really does it really does seem like a roll of the dice okay listen Johnson O'Brien author of Euro Summits the story of the UA for European Championships 1960 to 2016 thank you very very much for joining us at Capital Sports this evening and uh, have a brilliant week thank and you, continue success to the, with, with the book I'm really looking forward to getting it delivered Thanks a million, Alan. Take Thanks. care. Take care. Okay, folks, that segment, of course, is brought to you in a partnership with Match Business Consulting, Russia's number one sports business consultancy. We're going to go out right now with Paul Oakenfold and Starry Eyed Surprise back with the Big Fat Filthy Quiz. Capital Sports with Alan Moore.
According to multiple studies, 29 is the age the average person begins to feel like an adult. Люди чувствуют, что начинается взрослая жизнь в 29 лет. Теперь живите с этим. 20 minutes. Only on Capital. Well, folks, we won't have 20 minutes hits, but we will have uh, a few misses in our quiz coming <laughs> up. So that sweeper went through and we are flying. Right, folks, um, we are going to get the quiz underway in one moment. It is a final score, Sweden 3-1 against Slovakia. 3-2. Uh, uh, no, uh, Sweden. Oh, sorry. Yeah. sorry. 3-2 in overtime yeah. for uh, Finland and Latvia. So that was a very, very good win for Finland. That is putting them top of the group. We're going to have a look at the groups right now as they stand. Because, of course, it is getting down to the, well, as Andy would say, squeaky bump time. So uh, Finland, they are already through to the quarterfinals. The USA in Group B, they are chasing hard. They have two games to go. Kazakhstan and Germany are fighting there as well. But it's not all over for Latvia. And, of course, Canada are in all sorts of trouble. Norway and Italy, they are already eliminated from Group A. In, or in Group B, Group A, Group A is very, very tight at the top. Switzerland, the, uh, well, the Russian Olympic Committee team um, and Slovakia, they're all on 12 points. Uh, Russia have a game in hand over the other two and Sweden, with that win today, they are moved into the playoffs ahead of the Czech Republic. But the Czech Republic have a game in hand, so it is all... Against Russia, right? Yeah, Czech that Russia is right. One. Yeah. Uh, that, no, um, Belarusia, Russia is the last one. Belarus and Russia, uh, but the Czech Republic are playing Denmark, and then they're playing Slovakia. So the Slovaks are going to do the money favours, I don't think, Andy. Right, I think it's going to be a good one. Okay, uh, we are going out to the phones right now, and I'll say hello to everyone as we move around. So first, I'll say hello to Mr. Andrew Flint. Andrew, you're alive and well? Just about hanging in there. Good stuff. Uh, Isil Cody, you're there. Ready to defend my title. Oh yeah, you are the uh, you are the reigning champion at the moment, and of course the man whose team won last night, Derek Derek Ball Zambia. How are yeah. you doing? I'm doing great. I just want to win the second trophy. <laughs> you do a double, and of course Andy Mack is here in the studio. Andy, you ready? Yeah, very. Very ready. I can see it. I can see it. It's not just a telephone in your pocket. Right. Um, we're going to start off. The first up will be... Uh, do you know what? Isolt as the reigning champ. She's going to go first. We'll give her the first uh, taste of the uh, action today. Then Derek. Then Andrew Flint. And then Andy Mack. <laughs> coming up to the rear. And he's rubbing his hands together. Oh, good God. We are in real trouble. Okay. lubricate them somehow. Exactly. So, <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. No, please, I need to get out of your life tonight. Right. Uh, yeah. Isolt, the, the, the first one is the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League. Oh, so God <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, there you go. We it's know the summer's nice, coming up. It's Jesus, big stuff it's we know. Ice, it's an ice hockey theme. Derek loves ice hockey. He's been to ice hockey a couple of times with me. He loves ice hockey. Okay. Um, right. Quebec what? Quebec Major Junior Hockey League. 
Yeah, it's for it's the top. It is. Uh, QM. Don't say that about juniors. <laughs> <laughs> it's for 15 and 20 year old boys. There we go. Right. <laughs> um, okay, Eastwood Cody. First question for you for five Probably points. Had House of Cards. Okay. <laughs> All right, here we oh, go. Lord. Right, Eastwood Cody. The Quebec. What? <laughs> Quebec. <laughs> Gobblers. <laughs> no, you, Andy, you answer. I'm going to take away your point. I have a hint. I didn't even know this was a tournament. All I, like, I, I would like a hint. Um. <laughs> oh, say, can you see? There, there you go. It's not the banners. It's not the, the Star Spangled Banners. But it's something in that song. They're very, very at the start of it. The airways have just crashed after that. <laughs> I'm getting arrested for singing the American anthem on, on, on air. I, I, I honestly... I, I, I don't know. The Quebec kids? I would, like, oh. <laughs> okay. Okay. I, I what, what, would you, what would you have outside a castle? Or outside a fort? Uh, you'd, have tur- you'd have turrets or no, ramparts tur- or... Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, go back, go back, go back. Turrets? No! Ramparts. 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 Yeah. Oh, well. I'm no, going to get. Uh, no, my listen. My knowledge of castles is yeah. very good. That, oh. I'll take my points. Thank you for that. You'll get two points for that instead of five because you said turrets. And turrets are not in front of the castle, they're on the castle walls or built into the. Okay, it doesn't matter. Okay, let's. sort of castles you have in Russia, but around here, they're on the castles. <laughs> yeah, but you said. Okay, here. Right. Uh, Derek, question for you. Yep. The Halifax. Halifax. It's in Nova Scotia, boy. Halifax. Uh-huh. Okay. <laughs> okay. Why does it have a country and western accent? <laughs> I'm sorry, but they talk kind of like, you know, like trailer park boys, eh? Okay, so Halifax... Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm more confused now. Pardon? I'm more from... confused now. But okay. <laughs> okay. If, they, if they're from Halifax, surely it's something you hang on your wall. No. No. Oh, God, no. No, it's the Halifax. Banker. Yeah, it is, it is, it is. It's, it's, it's ha- <laughs> the what? Surely, what? if they're from Halifax, it's something you, it's dead on the wall. Yes, it's dead on the wall. It's the name of a beer. They're sponsored by a beer company. Okay. Come on, think of a Canadian beer. Uh, Canadian beer, Canadian beer. <laughs> Canadian beer. Cool. Pish doesn't count. Three. I think I've this one, Two. Uh, I don't know. I, I really don't Can know. I take it? Can you give me another hint? Uh, no, no, it's something. Okay, go on, Andy. It's got to be something head. So go, therefore, yes. it can only be one of three animals. Go on, quick. Canadians, moose. Moose heads, exactly. Exactly. Moose heads. <laughs> Derek, you're getting no points for that. Beautiful like. logic. All right. Uh, Andrew Flint, the Charlottetown. Charlottetown. The Charlottetown. Oh, Charlottetown Bantams? I've got. No, they, they, no play on, they play on Prince Edward Island. That's a giving you a hint. They play on. Oh, P-E-I, Prince Edward Island. Charlottetown Potatoes? Oh, good God. <laughs> <laughs> but listen, listen, you'll all laugh, but there, there is a song <laughs> called. <laughs> Bud- that's the I can get. Listen, I'm going to give you a point for that because if Prince Edward Island are famous for their potatoes, okay? They have a great song called Bud the Spud, okay? Bud the Spud. But they're called, the team's called the Islanders. Islanders. I thought, I, I, I thought it would help. Right, Andy, Andy, find it to you. Are you looking at this on the computer? No, I'm looking at the Euros. Okay. <laughs> All right. The St. John. St. John. That's New Brunswick. St. John. All right, give me a clue. Uh, a woo. Uh, but Dallas? Never, 
What? Nala. <laughs> Did Nala answer me back just there? She's like, oh, Papa, Papa. Yeah, I anyway. <laughs> All right. How much of a clue is that? It's, it's quite good. It's uh, good. It's not husky. It's not husky. So it's a dog. Yeah. What type of dog? Um, something dogs. Something dogs. Yeah. Um, looking at you. Sexy dogs. <laughs> <laughs> you need you need glasses on. It's the sea dogs. Sea dogs. <laughs> I'll give you a point for it. Sea dogs. All right. Uh, I'm going to give I'm going to give Derek a point as well because I'm being ger- generous every time. Okay. Very very quickly. Missing word round. Okay. Uh, Isolt Cody. Juventus tell Cristiano <clears throat> what to bugger off to United. <laughs> Now, of course, there's the rumour that he's going to go for Paul Pogba. I'm going to give you six points for that one. It is that he can talk to other clubs. Uh, <clears throat> okay, Derek, one for yep. you. <laughs> okay. Uh, I made what? Said Pep Guardiola. I made what? Uh, I made a silly mistake. I'm going to give you. I'm going to give you three for it because it, yeah, that is good. No, it says I made the best selection to win the game. There you go. So it's quite ah, boring. Ah, oh, okay, <clears throat> there you go. Okay. Andrew Flint, United. What Emery? What? <laughs> Sorry, United. United what? Emery something. Yeah. Parked the bus on him. Yeah. <laughs> Hit him in the bus. <laughs> Hit Emery. Go on. United. Uh, race to the Emery. Oh Christ, I don't know. Yeah, the United spice up uh, Emery uh, race. Oh God, I'm, I'm losing my mind. I've no idea. I'll give you. I'll give you three points for it, just out of generosity. It's United undone, as Emery claims. Title number four. There you go. Um, I had one on Naomi Osaka, but since she won't speak with the media and she's, she could be in real trouble, we're not going to bring it up. So Andy, your one. Prince William takes what? Out his Aston Villa. Prince William. <laughs> Prince William. Come on. Is that your final answer? Prince William. <laughs> Prince William takes what? Out his villi. <laughs> I'm giving you three. I'm giving you five <laughs> points for why not. It takes takes extreme e-car for test drive. <laughs> I know, it's just so... Dumb. All right, quickly into the final round. I'm looking at it now. Isolt is in the lead on eight. Derek has four. Andrew has four. And Andy Mark has six. Right, Isolt, starting off with you. Who? This is World Ice Hockey Championships, the top tier, the top division. Who has played in the top tier of world, the World Ice Hockey Championships? Was it? They played only one time. So was it South Korea or North Korea? South Korea or North Korea? I am going to go with South Korea. You sure? Sticking with that? I'm in no way sure about this, but I'm going to figure out that North Korea didn't let them leave. So South Korea is it. But remember, North Korea played in two football World Cups. Yeah, but they don't feel positively about ice hockey. Oh, you're right, you're right. I'm just yes, of course, you are correct. Uh, you have won it. You have won overall. Well done. You changed the title. Okay. Um, all right, Derek, for you. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. Who has won more gold, USA or Finland? Who's won more gold medals, USA or Finland? Um, more gold medals, USA, Finland. I think I'm going to go with Finland. 
You went correct. Well done. Okay, so you're now in second place on 14 points. Andrew, to, to get a, at least a, a chance of a silver medal, you have to answer me this. Since 1992, how many countries have played in a World Ice Hockey Championship final? Six or seven? Six or seven? Uh, I think it goes seven. There'll be some random results out there. God, yeah. it's got to be seven. Yeah, you're correct. We are correct. Okay, very, very quickly, I'm going to ask you, each for one bonus point. I'll start with you, um, Andrew Flint. Name one of the teams who's played in the World Hockey Final. One team. Any team in the ice hockey final? Uh, yeah. USA? No, they haven't actually made an ice hockey final since 1992. Andy Mack, name a team. Uh, Czech Republic. Correct, that's one point extra for Andy Mack. Uh, okay, Easel, name a team. Canada. Correct, one point extra for you. Uh, Derek, name a team. Russia. Well done. Okay, Andrew Flint, I'll give you a chance to redeem yourself. Name a team. Uh, oh, I'll go for Patrick Cotroni's Italy, one of my favourite players. No, <laughs> no, 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 no. Right, uh, finally, Andy Mack. To, to, to can, I, can, can I sweep up the other points there? <laughs> no. oh, the other Sweden. Sweden, Finland. And? Um, Two more. Wait. Can, I, can I go? Go on, Derek, go on. Canada, yeah? Who? Canada, Canada. Oh, we, 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 we've already said that. Already you had, had them. Ah, okay, okay. Slovakia and one more. For 10 points, if anyone gives me the other country beating the final, 10 points. Isolt, give me one, quick. Slovenia. No. Andy Mack. Um, let me have a little think. No, no, no time. Um, 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 I'm trying to think of who we've already said. Okay, Switzerland. Yes, well done, Switzerland. <laughs> okay. You're trying to conspire to give away my trophy. And that's <laughs> hold on, hold on. Eastland, it's still yours. It's still yours, Andy Mack. Okay, next year the finals have been held in Finland or Russia? Remember? Ice hockey. Uh, Finland. Finland. Correct, correct. Okay. Uh, Eastland, have sorry. I won now? <laughs> yeah, Andy Mack won on that one. Is that, oh, uh, that. You said Slovenia and Andrew Flint. Oh my goodness. Okay. Right. Thank you very, very much. <laughs> Thank you much, guys. You've got to know you're going to hang in line. So have a great week to uh, Andrew, Derek, and Easel. Congratulations again, Derek. Andy Mack, thank you very much for being here this evening. Well done. Thank Champion. you. Okay, folks, we are back next Sunday, of course. We have a massive show planned for next week. We're going to have a look back, of course, at the uh, World Ice Hockey Championship, the final we played. It'll be actually going on air just when the final is finishing up, or it could be even into uh, overtime. And, of course, then we will have a look ahead to the European Championships we're starting off then in another few days after that okay folks thank you very much for your time this evening and remember that book again Euro Summits okay by Johnson O'Brien get onto it and have a look yes I already did that don't worry Andy I, I, I did the sponsor don't worry <laughs> we were okay right folks we're going to go dancing out into the evening here myself and Andy Mack I hope you all have a superb week stay well stay healthy and have a lot of fun uh, this is Mark Ronson and Buda Mars and Uptown Funk talk to you next week Sports with Alan Moore. This is that ice cold Michelle fight for that white gold. This one for them hood girls, them good girls, straight masterpieces. Styling, wilding, living it up in the city. Got chucks on with Saint Laurent. Gotta kiss myself, I'm so pretty. I'm too hot. Call the police and the fireman. I'm too hot. Make a dragon wanna retire, man. I'm too hot. Say my name, you know who I am, I'm too hot 
said you hallelujah. Girl said you hallelujah. Girl said you hallelujah. Cause Uptown Funk don't give it to you. Cause Uptown Funk don't give it to you. 